It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. Last week, I introduced you to my dance with stretchability and how I was curious to understand what makes us willing and able to do the hard things and go the extra mile. As the universe seems to do, a gentleman was placed on my path who not only embodies this quality of stretchability, but also has a story and message worth celebrating. Doctors told Denny Cipollini he would never walk again. Denny challenged that notion and ran a 5K less than two and a half years later. From completing his first marathon with the use of a prosthetic to carrying the torch not once but twice in 2002 for the Olympics and Paralympics, it appeared as if Denny had conquered his injury. But what people didn't see was a man who suffered from debilitating phantom pains and inner trauma, as well as a nightmare opioid addiction, eating away at his overall physical and emotional health and relationships. On today's podcast, Denny shares personal stories of his battle with opioid addiction and details of his life after transitioning into a cannabis for wellness lifestyle. We talk about the gifts of adversity the power of visualization, and lots of good reasons to never stop growing. Today's podcast is covered by MJ Relief, the muscle rub for what aches and pains you. If you've used MJ Relief, send a video or voice memo and let me share your story of relief on the podcast. This week, to kick things off, here's Cynthia's story of relief. Hi, I'm Cynthia from Boulder, Colorado. Uh, I've always been a 
avid athlete, amateur athlete, worked out or trained four to six times a week my whole life. I'm 60 years old, was having a lot of pain in my flexors, thinking there was something really wrong. I went to uh, an orthopedic surgeon and indeed there is nothing wrong. <laughs> my flexors are and, and ligaments are, are just worn out from being 60 and being and using them. They just wear out. We don't last forever, unfortunately. So uh, looking for relief, I found this MJ Relief skin ointment, CBD skin ointment, and I just apply it in the morning and it seems to loosen my flexors up, which allows me to use them, which in turn warms them up more. So if I just keep applying this two, three times a day, I'll walk a lot better. It's great. I try it. If you're feeling Cynthia's chronic pain and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com and order a tube for you and another one for someone you love. That's mjskinrelief.com. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural, sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. Last week, I mentioned that hemp grain has become the second largest segment of the hemp industry after cannabinoid production. That's because hemp is a superfood, and it's packed full of protein. Three tablespoons of hemp provides 10 grams of plant protein. I mean, I'll raise my hand, hemp hearts are a staple in my diet. And while at the NOCO Hemp Expo, I was surprised to learn that it's currently not legal to feed hemp to livestock or pets. It just hadn't occurred to me that might not be legal. If it's a natural occurring plant and it's so nutrient dense and I can eat it, why can't animals? Turns out shit's not that easy. Of course there are hoops to jump through studies to perform, applications to submit, and two to four years of red tape to manage. Michael Kleinens, assistant professor of beef production medicine at Kansas State University, said, While varieties of hemp may be planted for a single or dual purpose, such as for seed and fiber, byproducts consisting of leaves, fodder, and residual plant fibers remain after harvest. These byproducts could serve as potential feedstuffs for animals. Because these are predominantly cellulose-containing plant materials, the ideal species for utilizing these feeds are ruminant animals, specifically cattle. Feedstuffs come in many forms. For example, a dairy operation in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, receives daily deliveries of apple waste from a processing facility that supplies apple slices for school lunches. Another local dairy gets three truckloads of vegetable and fruit discards and expired bread products each week that originate from area distribution centers. No longer sellable or desirable for consumers, these foodstuffs become feed for cattle rather than going to a landfill. Other producers across Pennsylvania have discovered the benefits of brewer's waste, the huge quantities of sour mash, the result from the production of beer, as a viable source of feed. According to University of Pennsylvania's School of Veterinary Medicine, 
On a national scale, livestock are consuming millions of pounds of otherwise unusable biomass created in the production of various everyday products like soybean and canola oils, orange juice, ethanol, and more. Part of creating a sustainable hemp industry is making sure that we use every part of the hemp plant after harvest. In the fall of 2020, a team of K-State researchers received a $200,000 Agriculture and Food Research Initiative competitive grant from the USDA to establish concentration of cannabinoids in livestock after exposure to industrial hemp. And in February 2021, the Hemp Feed Coalition submitted the very first ingredient application in the U.S. for hemp to be federally approved as a feed ingredient for poultry. Once approved, this ingredient application will allow hemp seed meal and cake to be legally used as commercial feed for laying hens. Led by coalition leadership, hemp and feed industry experts, and researchers, the submission is a culmination of a two-year-long effort consisting of an ingredient investigation of hemp seed cake and meal and a clinical trial to demonstrate the safety and efficacy of hemp for laying hens. It's so much work just to submit an application, and I'm so grateful for the passionate folks diving in at every level to get her done. I'll include a link in the show notes if you want to get involved yourself, and if you're looking to be thoughtful without overthinking it, just ask for OCB wherever you're buying your rolling papers. OCB paper booklets are made in a facility that's powered by 100% green energy. Organic hemp by OCB is very slow burning, and it's one of the strongest, most sustainable on earth. It's responsibly harvested, chlorine-free, dye-free, bleach-free, GMO-free, and vegan. You'll love OCB even more because they make no-tear, even-burning rolling papers with natural, always-sticks acacia gum. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow at OCB underscore USA on social. If you're a grown-up joint-rolling novice, I invite you to learn the craft alongside me. The Roll With Me video series will launch on the Casually Baked YouTube channel this month. Go ahead and get your rolling supplies ready by visiting ocbusa.com backslash baked to get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks and is around for a limited time. But the rolling skills and street cred we'll earn together, my friend, makes this bundle priceless. You'll find links to the OCB special offer as well as an interest form for joining me on an episode of Roll With Me in the podcast 181 show notes at casuallybaked.com. If you need a kick in the pants, this podcast is for you. It's also for anyone struggling with chronic pain and opioid addiction. Or maybe you're feeling less than in life right now, just trying to get your mojo working again. Whatever you're up against, Denny's got you covered. He's my new hype man for cannabis, y'all. I mean, the Hans to my Franz. So light up, my friend. We're here to pump 
you up. Settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine. The high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke. But I better just take one smoke. Good afternoon. We are live on the Casually Baked YouTube channel with Denny Cipollini. Denny, thank you so much for joining us on an episode of the podcast. Joe, thank you for having me. It's been, I'm so excited to uh, be doing this with you. Yes. Thank and, you. you know, you discovered me right after I had done a rant on chronic pain. And when I heard your story, I just thought, thank you, universe, for dropping this beautiful story in my lap. So, Denny, let's uh, kick off the podcast by you telling your story. What happened back in 1989 that changed your life? I guess you could say that's where my life turned around. I was 36 years old, um, baby on the way. My wife was seven and a half months pregnant. It was a, a, a Saturday morning. I got in the car and I'm a hairdresser. I was a hairdresser and then I went part-time. So I did hair on the side. So I headed down to, to work and I was on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It was raining that day. So I lost control of the car. All of a sudden it started the hydroplane. I hydroplaned right into a guardrail. It shook me up at first. There was complete silence when I hit this guardrail. And um, I realized I was alive. And that was a good thing. But what I saw in front of me um, caused a sudden rush of pain that covered my body. My left leg was on the dashboard of the car. My right leg or foot was underneath the guardrail that came through the car that severed both my legs. Thank goodness I had a seatbelt on or I'd have been cut in half because I would have slid forward. When I saw that, like I said, the pain all of a sudden, wow. And the blood started to flow. And it was coming out like a garden hose. And I knew right away that I was going to die if I couldn't solve the problem of lowering this blood volume. That was one of the most incredible lessons I learned right at that moment. Um, I had to do something. I couldn't move because I was pinned. Obviously, my legs weren't even attached at that point. But I still had my mind. And what I did is I visualized myself in a safe spot, somewhere where everything was going to be okay. So I visualized the hospital. Two doctors working on both legs, like it was real, like I was going through it and they were fixing me up. And it was amazing. At that point, my heart started to come down and the blood flow slowed up. Visualization now I use all the time. It's just amazing. You know, you see where you want to go and you go and get it. Absolutely. Absolutely, Denny. And, you know, that was one of the things that I found most inspiring about your story. I tell people all the time, I am a powerful creator. You are a powerful creator. And it is in those moments where you do connect with your higher self and you're like, okay, we got to do something about this. It is me. I am creating my reality right now. What do I do? Exactly. 
and I believe we all have this, every one of us. It's a survival mode, and that's what it was. I um, quickly realized that I needed to get some, a tourniquet on on the one leg at least. People started to come, and I said to the one guy, I said, can I have your T-shirt? I got to make a tourniquet because I was wide awake through this whole thing. I took the turn signal off, this turn signal lever, and um, we made a tourniquet on the one leg. And the other one, I just held with my hands until the emergency uh, workers came. And they peeled back the roof, put me in a helicopter, and took me to the hospital where I spent three and a half months. During this three and a half months, is there a chance that you're going to be able to save both of these legs? Or do you know what your fate is? Or is it a day-by-day thing that you're going through at that point? Well, it, they put external fixators on both legs, two long screws close to my ankles uh, and two above where it's severed. And then they attach it with a piece of steel. I look like an erector set, but it held the legs in. And the point of that was to heal. The problem is down there, your shin area, there's not enough mass, um, soft tissue, blood, Mm-hmm. So that's where the problem lied. I ended up with osteomyelitis in my left leg, and that went on for months. Um, I even had an operation where they took a muscle f- from my abdomen and um, put it down there on the left leg to bring blood supply. Mm-hmm. And during that you know, prep of that operation, in comes my wife at 6 o'clock in the morning in a wheelchair in my hospital room. She was giving birth to her firstborn son. Wow. Wow. So I wasn't able to be there for her delivery, but they brought him to me when I was in recovery, which was kind of, kind of cool. Wow. That's insane. I mean, that is a lot of things happening to one family. So you finally made a decision in April, 1990, that you were like, I need my life back. I'm tired of being in this hospital. So talk us through a little bit about that decision and where you were mentally moving forward. Yeah. You know, it was debreeding, debreeding, you know, trying to get rid of this infection. So I had 15 operations and then I I'm watching TV and I, and and back then 3M had a, was running a commercial and it was, um, this guy, he goes to the basketball court in his neighborhood and he takes off his, his uh, sweatpants and he's got two prosthetic legs or one prosthetic legs. I forget. But back then, back in 89, or that would have been 90 then when I saw that, it was the old fashioned kind. But still, the, it was very impressive commercial because he's playing basketball. And I'm like, I'm looking at that and I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. I want to move, get, get moving again because this is doing me no good. It's going to ooze for the rest of my life. And a lot of the doctors, when I said, take it, they're like, but you're going to lose your leg. So what? It's not doing me any good. I've done more now with one leg than I ever thought of doing with two. I've done marathons, triathlons, jumped out of an airplane. And I was scared of heights. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what kind fun. of what kind of a personality did you have prior to this? Were you an active, like, go get them, doer type A personality? Well, I, I think I always was. But just to give you an idea, in high school, 
you know how they vote for when you're seniors most likely to succeed or the nicest hair i was most likely you had to the nicest succeed. hair no or most likely to succeed well that's true <laughs> and you have the nicest hair too I well, thank you you're welcome but um yeah so i get voted for the laziest kid not in the class but in the school i went to school <laughs> in a there was 2000 kids in that school laziest kid and when it was my turn to go up there i sent somebody else cuz i'm the laziest kid well yeah i guess that's what you do if you want to own well, your yeah. title but i was so proud of this years later i graduated in 71 but in 2004 I received distinguished graduate. I turned my life around. I was a wild child. I was born in the Woodstock generation, you know, so. People do change. I get in arguments about that all the time where I believe that when we make a decision to be different, to be better, to excel in some form or fashion, that that's it. The decision's made, it's happening. And so right. many people that are still a little bit lazy, would like to argue that people don't change. You can't ask an old dog to learn new tricks, Joe, and it's just not true. Absolutely right. But, you know, unfortunately, and I'm not everybody needs a tragedy like I had to change them, but it does work. Yeah. Well, I mean, in goodness. my case, it was a turning point and it's made my life, um, you know, of course I had my ups and downs, but it's made my life amazing. Right now, I can honestly say, at, I'll be 68 shortly. I can say I am so content where I am. I honestly, I, I've never felt this way before. And I'm very content. It took 68 years to get here. But hey, we, we use what happens to us to, to, to move us along. We yes. can't sit there and cry about it. You know, we have our moments and it's fine. Yeah. But you got to move on and learn from it. That's yeah. what I've found. Amen. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit, the post-surgery pain management piece. You know, that was how my and your initial conversation kind of started with chronic pain like that and acute pain that you are experiencing post-surgery. You developed a relationship, whether you like to or not, with opioids. Oh, yeah. We became good buddies. Well, back in 89, 90, I mean, they would hook you up to something they called the pump. I don't know if they use it anymore, but literally it's morphine and I push a button and it gives me my, my dose of morphine. So obviously I started with that. With all this debriding they were doing, uh, it was really disturbing the nerves in the, in the leg. When they finally took it, uh, what happens is the brain remembers the last message was sent. There was a lot of pain I was getting. So I was experiencing that pain. And then something wonderful, like what I call phantom pains. Yeah. One of the worst pains I've ever, and I've felt them all. I've felt them all. Phantom pain is like being electrocuted every five to eight seconds. And the worst part of it, you know it's coming. So the anticipation, literally, it jolts you. You just, uh, oh. it's so hard to explain. Anybody who's had nerve pain knows what I'm talking about. And um, that's when my journey with opioids started. You know, I went from the pump to the pills. And I literally went to the dot and whatever I wanted or whatever I asked for, if I needed more. And obviously, I needed more, you know, through this whole, whole thing. 
So as time would progress, you would just need more because your body would also just kind of become immune to that dosage. And so you kept having to titrate up to get the relief. Is that what I heard? Here's what's interesting. This is what's was scary. I can look back now and I realize it. Those opioids controlled me. They started to cause my pain. Every three hours, I needed to take it. And it, it reminded me. And it caused pain just to feed me, feed me. It wanted, it, it messed my gut up. It messed my brain up. It took over my personality. I couldn't leave the house unless I had my little satchel of pills because I would panic as soon as that started talking, saying, you feed us, feed us. I, it's so scary. I mean, I might've died a few times. I I've passed out to the point where, you know, I, I had to wake up and I'm struggling to breathe. I woke up in the middle of an intersection quite a few times where I've literally passed out waiting for a light. That was scary, but the sensation to feed my feed, this hunger, I call it Satan because it was, it didn't, you know, I, I overlooked all that. So as you're having that craving for the opioids, you know, what was that doing to your relationships? I know it's wrecking your body. What was it doing to the relationships in your life? Well, I was able to, uh, you know, do the marathons, things like that, because I would take the pills. What it did to my marriage, I mean, I ended up in a divorce. I could have been a better father to my kids. I feel now I'm, I'm where I should be. But yeah, it, it took my personality away. It it made me non-compliable. It was about that. I had access to them. Whatever I wanted, I tried them all. I'm like, Doc, can we try this? Can we try that? Because it wasn't working. I still had the phantom pains. And I would just eat more and more and more. And I could have killed myself. Absolutely. So what was happening with your running, your competing? You know, you seem like somebody who really cares about taking care of yourself and your body. You know, how long were you living like that? And was the rest of your life seemingly healthy? Oh, I was very, I mean, I took, I took nutrients, vitamins all along. But this was the other side of me. This was the dark side. I mean, at the time, I'm not thinking it's doctor prescribed and, and it's killing pain. It's helping me live my life. I, I kept saying that because I even sat with my wife and I said, I'm going to quit these. And this was before I qu finally quit them. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to function. Yeah. I did quit for a little while. It, it was hard. Um, but I went right back to them. Yeah. So how long was this relationship with opioids before you discovered cannabis? Well, I discovered cannabis back in the Woodstock year. Well, I'm in <laughs> but, as a tool for you now. Right, right. And like I say, you know, I tell people, because that's one of the things when I'm talking about it with people, um, I say to them, it's not your crazy uncle's marijuana anymore. It's not that. You know, I experimented with, you know, Acapulco Gold. We had Panama Red, Moroccan Hash. And I thought that stuff was strong. The stuff we have now is amazing. It's amazing. But I went 28 years on opioids. It's cost me all my teeth. These are new. These are all new. Uh, I had to have them all implanted. 
it rotted when the doctor opened up my mouth he said i said to him i was on opioids for 28 years he goes yeah we've seen this i mean literally i had four or five teeth left yeah uh, i don't ever see that on those opioid commercials that big pharma puts out they never talk about that no they don't do they what else do they not <laughs> tell us denny oh uh, well here's what's amazing these things can constipate you pretty bad but then they came out with a drug that you can take to help with opioid constipation. Is that amazing? Yeah. And here's the other thing, because when I quit these things, I looked at going to a detox and I'm like, OK, I went in and I said to them, um, I want a detox. And I said, how long does it take? He goes, usually about seven days. We're going to put you on other drugs. And I'm like, what? No, I don't want that. They're opioids but you don't get the sensation. No, 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 no. And that's when I decided I'm going cold turkey. And that's what I did. Wow. I locked myself in my room because I did this before and I knew it was coming. I loaded up with herbs, ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. I always say it wrong. Ashwagandha. That stuff's amazing. Yeah. I use that. I didn't have access to cannabis. I did sign up for the card, but it didn't come in yet. And I, I wanted to quit. But I did use CBD. That, oh my gosh, that helped with the anxiety. Oh, I bet. Because there were times where like, it felt like things were crawling on me. The sweats, the, you name it. Uh, and it goes on and on. It took me a year to get my gut back. I believe that. It, I believe that when I, I mean, and this is not even a comparison, but I had gone and lived in Bologna, Italy for a year and a half. And just introducing my gut back to food in the United States, it took me, it felt like a year to get my gut back. The food situation is just different. What we are allowed to stock on grocery store shelves here in the States versus it's other It's the shit here. Yeah. We get the shit. I mean, I went to Italy too. I, my son and I went, oh my God. As soon as the first pizza, I said, I got to have a pizza. We're in Naples. That's where it started. Yeah. Oh my God. Three ingredients, what they can do with it because <laughs> their wheat's better. Everything is, mm. <laughs> that could be a whole Mama other Mia. Show. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, but, All right. Um, so you lock yourself in your room and go on the ride of a fucking lifetime. Wow. I can't believe you did that. I know. Well, I did check with my doctor before. I told him what I was going to do. He says, I really recommend you go into a, a rehab. And, and, and I'm like, no, I want to do this myself. He did give me some sedatives in case I needed it, but I didn't take them. And so and your goal for doing this, for you wanting to go completely cold turkey and be fully using whole plant options, what was your reasoning for making that decision? Well, my father passed away right before I quit these, these things. And he had um, dementia, Alzheimer's. And I'm thinking, I started to feel like I was getting it. But it really was the opioids. Yeah. Because the past three years have been amazing how my mind has, has healed yeah. with the use of cannabis. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm getting chills right now when I tell you that. I had phantom pains all the time. With the opioids, they just numbed it a little bit, but it made me take more. When I quit and finally got through the, you know, the detox, here's the thing about cannabis. 
you need to play around with it. You need to find what you need if you're taking it for pain or anxiety. You're your, what I say to people, you're your own pharmacist. And what I do is I get three different tinctures. I love tinctures for pain. That's what I do. I'll get up in the morning. I, uh, I have my power coffee, you know, with the coca powder and the MCT oil. And then I'll, I'll squirt a little bit of the tincture under my tongue. And I'll do that four times a day. When I tell you, Joe, no lie, in two years. Now, the first year was tough because I needed to regulate and find it. Two years. I have not had phantom pain. I haven't had any pain. Wow. Any pain. The only pain I get is if I go too many miles, you know, the soreness. Yeah. Now, now I did have phantom pain the other day. And this is what I learned from it. Very interesting. This is the tincture I use. And I mix it myself. So I use different strains. So you, you DIY, you make your own tincture at home. With the ones that I get from the uh, medical marijuana uh, dispensary. So I'll do, you know, three different types. Oh, um, so you are mixing the different tinctures that you get. Correct. Okay, copy yes. that. Yeah. So what I found is what I have right now, it's a high THC tincture. But I don't, I don't like to get psychoactivity during the day too much. Um, so the other day was interesting. Last month, storms come in. And that used to scare me because the barometric pressure changing, all of a sudden the phantom pains, here they come full force. And that would last for days. Storms coming, I didn't think of it. So um, I wake up in the morning, like about two o'clock in the morning. I normally get up at three, but I have incredible phantom pain. And I'm like, where's this coming from? I haven't had these in a long time. I dealt with it. I took cannabis, I vaped, I did everything. It got me pretty stoned, but it didn't kill the pain. But I learned something. Here's why I got the phantom pain. The day before, I took my morning dose. Then usually after a workout or after a, a, a speed walk or a run or something, I'll take, an, I'll take another one. I didn't take my two in the afternoon. I'll take one around three and run around what I call happy hour. <laughs> I call it my reefer recap. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and that's what it was. See, here's what I found out about cannabis THC, particularly. The phantom pains can be held at bay as long as I'm taking those four doses. What happened was I allowed that those phantom pains to escape. And once they escape, it's hard to control them. Because they're shooting up that nerve highway. Mm -hmm. That may not, not sound very, you know. Um, no, if you've medical. got chronic pain, well, no, that's that is exactly but I experienced it. Yes, and that's exactly what you have to do. You have to yeah. be willing to experiment and be super mindful and notice those things. That way, you can be your biggest advocate, find your sweet spot, and now you know you can't miss one of your micro doses every day. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I'm so content because I don't feel like I'm owned by something. Opioids own me. They owned me. They, I, whatever they wanted me to do, I did. And I could see where, you know, you see people kill for it, you know, and I get it because that's the place they're in. It takes your mind away. Cannabis healed all that for me. Oh my gosh, my memory. I'm, I'm working on a book right now to tell my story, all this. 
and the memory that is coming back that was gone when I was taking opioids. Not only that, it's the thought process. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, it, it allows you, I'm not saying it's a Peter Max thing. It's, it's, you know, if it can be, if you want it to be, but, but it, it just makes you think logically. It, it makes you think deeper and, and it opens the mind. Absolutely. I think some of these guys in Washington should really sit down and smoke some of this and understand what's going on. Certainly. And, you know, when you, when you say that, not only is it opening your mind, but there are dots being connected that you don't see in just your 3D world. It's like inviting your higher self to join the party and to help you make better decisions and and to just flow through your day and through the space. And I love that you were able to find that sweet spot with THC because for pain, you know, if you take too much, it can amplify that mm -hmm. pain and then not enough. And then it's just not cutting the mustard. You found that with THC. How do you incorporate CBD every day with that? Well, that's why I mix the tinctures. Okay. I'll get a high tincture uh, and put that in. And then at happy hour, I vape with, I like um, a, a more balanced blend or, mm -hmm. or strain. I don't like it too psychoactive. But, you know, that has a higher CBD in it. It works. I mean, again, isn't life about finding contentment in that place? I found it. I'm in there. I'm right here now. Um, the and other, I want to share that. Yeah, absolutely. And the other fun thing about it, too, is like you talked about in that moment when the accident happened, you immediately going into a state of visualization and, you know, I do believe that our thoughts become things and visualizing the outcome we want is so important. And it's so much easier to get to that point when you have microdosed cannabis or you have some in your system. I mean, I use it every morning before my meditation because it helps me get to that place a little bit faster and allows me to connect more dots than I would have, you know, otherwise. So talk to me about going from a place of, okay, I am going to become an amputee. I am going to inspire people with my work. Like that doesn't just happen overnight. This was a super long process for you. How did visualization help you get to where you are now? When I was in the hospital, you know, going after one operation after another. I'll never forget this. The doctors came in, you know, circled the bed and they said to me, Denny, we don't believe you're going to ever walk again without the use of some kind of apparatus, crutches or uh, wheelchair or walker or whatever. And when they said that to me, something went off. And I looked at my father because he was in there. And I said, Dad, I want you to bring my weights in tomorrow. We start rehabbing tomorrow. And I said to them, you want to bet? <laughs> and for a while, when I started running, I would send articles to the doctor that took my leg. Not in a bad way. I wanted to show him where I was at. And it was funny because I was his first amputation. I didn't know that until later. <laughs> 
<laughs> I almost they just spit my tea out. I, I know. What? They <laughs> called him Doogie Hauser. Remember that show? Oh, yeah. The Real Young Doctor? Yeah. This guy was like brand new, fresh. But I got to say, he did a good job. It took a while. And, you know, it wasn't coming out of that. I was I was worried. The biggest thing I was worried about is when I went in to get it amputated and then waking up from the operation, throwing back the sheets and not seeing a leg there. Almost like a horror movie, like, ah, but uh, it didn't work that way. That was all in my head. I created that. And that was a negative visualization. But it, the good part is it didn't happen when I saw it. It was OK. I wanted that. I had people call me the night before the amputation. A guy that was kept his leg, same kind of accident, had osteomyelitis and still does. But he said, Denny, what are you doing? I'm getting my leg amputated tomorrow. He goes, don't. I kept mine. And I said, all right, let me ask you something. What do you do all day? He goes, I sit and watch kids in the park you know, playing and watch the birds. And on a good day, he says, I'll use my walker and I'll go over to the park bench. I said, okay. And how much weight have you gained? 70 pounds. And I'm like, that's not what I want. I said, if anything, you convince me even more that I want to move on. So I did. I'll never forget once I got out of the hospital, I was at a Home Depot. You know, I have a, my pro, new prosthetic, which didn't fit well. It took five years to get the right fit, to find the right prosthetist. And the, uh, you know, the, the atrophying has to go down. But I was out there and um, I'm looking around. I think I had to buy something, whatever it was. And I'll never forget this. There was a young boy, young kid, saw me because I had shorts on. It was in the summer. And he walked up behind me and he pointed his finger did you ever see the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No. Well, that's when these aliens come to Earth. But anyway, he's behind me going, look, look. And I'm like, holy mackerel. He's pointing at me. And, I, you know, I get, whoa. So I run to the next aisle, or not run, but I kind of get around to the next aisle. And he follows me. And he continues to do it. He did it maybe two more times. And I'm like, that's it. I ran out to the car and I sat in the car and Joe, I cried for 20 minutes. I'm like, this is going to be what it's about. And then I went inside myself and I went, mm -mm. no, it isn't. If I act like I'm disabled, then I am. I've got to present myself beyond a whole person. And that's okay because that sets a goal for me. And I visualized that. And I started to visualize what I was gonna do. And I just put it in motion. Because once you visualize it, all you have to do is go do it. Yeah. I did that with my marathons. I did that going back to work. In the hospital, I would visualize, I worked for a, a package delivery company and I would visualize me walking in front of the package cars 30, 40 times a day. Until eventually, I got there again. I didn't deliver packages, but I worked inside. Yeah. I love how in every moment, you've just taken control. And, you know, I'm really surprised that the man who had said don't do the surgery 
after seeing you, I can't believe that he wasn't inspired to have it done himself. You are living parallel lives and it's just like the trajectory of your choice versus his is stark. Yeah. I didn't come right out, you know, preaching. Certainly. But I did run a 5K in my hometown in less than two and a half years from the point where they told me I wouldn't walk again. Wow. And yeah, that was that was one of the coolest things because it was my hometown. And when I finished, and I finished dead last, but that's okay. And that's what I tell people. It's not about where you finish. It's about getting in the race, participating in life or whatever. Don't quit on it. Get out there. And I also say this, and this is one of my quotes that I love. The finish line is just the start of another race. And what I mean by that, not just in sport, but I mean in life. You accomplish a goal, you don't quit there. A lot of people say, oh, I accomplished this goal. That's why people, you know, they'll lose weight, but they gain it back. Because I lost my 10 pounds or 20 pounds, and they go back to the same habits. No, keep going. Yeah. You've got these highly inspired lifestyle tools. Cannabis is one of them and meditation and visualization and moving your body and, you know, straining your brain. All of those things, we should be doing them every single day. Yeah. That's what makes us grow and enjoy life. You know, cannabis helps you educate yourself, but it also helps you enjoy yourself. Oh, my God. I, I What I call you know, with the good weather, we sit on the porch, my wife and I, she doesn't really smoke. We'll play music and I get a little vaped up and, you know, it's happy hour. And the families that walk by with the dog and the little babies and they'll go by and they'll see us out there and they're like, wow, you play the best music. The thing about cannabis too, when you're listening to music and you've got a good strain that, that really brings out the guitars, I, I say it's like hearing your favorite song for the first time. You know, it's just, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Cannabis, it does enhance all of those everyday experiences. And I love that you are recognizing that it isn't just a medical tool, that it can also just improve your quality of life and your relationships and and make you a better communicator and, and just being willing to be loose and have fun. Like that kind of stuff is just as important in the game of life as Absolutely. having good diet and exercise. Absolutely. That's how you heal. They said laughter's the best medicine. Absolutely. I got to tell you this story. This is where it gets dangerous. This is where cannabis almost cost me my second marriage. Where do you hear that? It's Uh funny. (laughs) Um, One of my my dirty little secrets is I like General Hospital. (laughs) (laughs) You and my sister, Melody. My wife, you know, she loves it too. So our happy hour sometimes is around General Hospital. You know, we'll record it. And then I like my double IPA and a couple hits of the vape. And I get silly. I start telling stories. I can't stop talking. So she, she puts on General Hospital and there I go. I mean, literally, she gets mad. She's walked out of the room, shut the TV off, you know, all upset. I'll even turn General Hospital into a porn movie sometimes. You know, I'll make those <laughs> comments and I'm laughing my head off. <laughs> she doesn't see that that funny. But anyway, that's the danger zone. <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah I, I love, love that laughter. that's the most dangerous thing that you deal with with cannabis and opioids made all your teeth fall out. Oh my out. God. Oh. Yeah. I, I really believe that cannabis, it's healing the, the damage in my brain that the opioids did. My memory's better. E everything is better, like we talked about. Just an amazing plant. It's been around so long. Tell me, do you use a topical on your skin before you put on your prosthetic? Yes, THC cream. I take it out when I do my, my miles. I'll rub that on, and it's just amazing. Amazing. It's, it stopped many of the breakdowns sometimes you get on skin because you got that plastic rubbing there. And um, My mother's 95. She does a tincture. Oh, my God. She, today she goes, hey. I need some juice. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you think it should be a little stronger? <laughs> she's funny. Yeah, she enjoys it. Absolutely. Um, well, and, you know, as we age, our bodies stop creating as many of our endogenous cannabinoids. And being an older person, taking a little bit of CBD and a little bit of THC every day can completely change your experience. Why wouldn't you want the elderly people in your life to have access to this plant medicine? It just doesn't make sense not to. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do. Change that, you know, your crazy uncle's marijuana. It's not that. And it can be, but it's so much more. And now with hopefully the legalization coming through, there'll be more studies done. I just think, wow, you yeah. know, there's no ending here with what it can do, you know, and, and not just the CBD and the THC, but what is there, a hundred different cannabinoids? Yeah, there's over a uh, hundred different ones and they're just scratching the surface of what each of them does. And so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of fun things that we learn about all these minor yeah. cannabinoids. But in the meantime, we've got a good solid workhorse with THC and CBD and CBN is excellent for sleep and, you know, cannabigerol, CBG, the parent cannabinoid can do all of these same things as well, minus the psychoactivity. So mm -hmm. we're bad in a thousand as far as I'm concerned. So it's only going to get better from here. And, you know, when we have people in our government and in these top institutions that are being paid off by special interest groups to say that cannabis is not helpful. We can't say that cannabis is helpful for chronic pain because we need better studies. That's why I need to hear from people like you that can say, um, excuse me, I have one leg and cannabis has changed my life and it's saved it for that matter. Exactly. I went the medical route and it did nothing but give me bad side effects, almost kill me a few times. And I went this route and this one I'm staying on. I train people. I'm a personal trainer and I have a 85 year old. We've become friends, but he's old school. And I'm like, try some cannabis, go to your doctor. He'll give it to you. He has arthritis. He, his hands are all swollen. Oh, no, nope. And he takes these pills. He ends up with his blood vessels in his eyes, always bursting. He feels that he takes so many pills and it's not helping. Next time you see him, have your topical with mm -hmm. you and just put some of your topical on his hands because, you know, yeah. that is that lowest point of entry. And yes. if you can 
show him within a one session of y'all being around each other because he'll feel within 15 minutes that his hands aren't hurting anymore. Oh, I know. I know. That's a lot of what I do being an evangelist for the lifestyle is what's that most simple onboarding piece? Let me help you with that localized pain relief. And then right. that will pique your interest as to what else can cannabis do for me. Right. And Joe, this is an important thing too, that, that the listeners should hear. It's where you get it to. You want to get a good quality CBD or, or THC. I mean, if that's what I like about the medical, at least in Pennsylvania, it's, it's clean and you know what you're getting. But if you're going to try CBD, don't go to the, the uh, uh, gas, gas station. station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, a lot of some of the CBDs come in from China and yeah. they use it to purify their air. Then they chop it up, send it here. And they're all of a sudden, you know, Americans are putting it in their body and you don't know the dosage. Go with a good company that lives in your state, that, yeah. that's in your state growing. Well, and I advise people all the time, just make sure that you're clicking that QR code, looking at that certificate of analysis. And exactly. if it doesn't have yeah. one, then it's not an option to purchase. Exactly. But on casuallybaked.com, I have a podcast affiliates link. And so there are brands that I feel mm -hmm. confident with and use myself. If people don't know, or they don't want to do that homework, that's a place to look and get a casually baked discount while you're there. Now, you know what's interesting? I don't know if you've ever heard this, but my son, he cannot get any kind of sensation from cannabis. And I've given him quite a bit of it. I don't think he, is this is possible, have a cannabinoid system or a re, uh, the, the receptors. Well, um, we all have an endocannabinoid system, so he definitely has one. But all of our genetic makeup is different, and some people metabolize it really quickly. Some people don't. Some people have fewer CB1 or CB2 receptors. I have heard before people that they can get high consuming it by combusting it, but then they take an edible and they don't feel it. So there is a lot of interesting quirks about us as humans, and I recommend everyone, if they want to understand how to utilize cannabis specifically for themselves, having an epigenetic panel done, um, you can have your endocannabinoid system tested specifically for your genes. So just like we can find out the best food and sleep patterns and exercise routines, we can also find out the best way to utilize our relationship with cannabis. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I would be curious for him to do that just so I can yeah. see there's certain genes that they look at and then they specifically see what your allele is. You know, there are some people that are more likely to get cannabis psychosis if they took a, a ton of it, um, right. you know, mm -hmm. and there's some people that there's not a snowball's chance in hell that that's going to happen. So, you know, peace of mind is critical when we are figuring out what sort of wellness path we want to be on. And so for me, if somebody can hand me a roadmap, why wouldn't I take it? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Denny, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think is an important part of your story to share? Well, especially right now with this pandemic, what I have learned from cannabis is that um, if anybody needs it now, we do. You know, it really can help with the anxiety, the stress. It can put a smile on our faces. 
you know, you just have to take it slow if you've never done it. And I think it's something to help us through this. I really do. I agree. And I think that there are always alternatives to whatever's being presented to us. Be curious, ask questions. There are always alternatives. Everything doesn't have to be done exactly the way it was done before. You know, what's good for one person may not be the best for another person. And so really being curious and open and just going with the flow. And I remember getting on antidepressants in my early 20s. It wasn't like the very first time we got it right. You know, I went back and forth and had three or four doctor's appointments before they dialed something in that made me feel normal. So if you are curious about getting off of opioids and exploring a whole plant option, you know, cannabis instead, you're not going to get it right on the very first try. And I would really encourage you to check out Denny's story. I mean, my saying is do it or don't, but do. And I swear, Denny, if anybody <laughs> embodies <laughs> that, it is you. Wow. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. So I appreciate you having me on here. Appreciate what you do. Now tell us how, if people want to get in touch with you, um, ask you questions, learn a little bit more about what you're doing, where can we find you? DennyCipollini.com. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, my website. I, I'm trying to put up some exercise videos people can do at home. Uh, I will soon put my elixirs, my different health drinks. Matter of fact, I got tomorrow, I've got to make a new batch of ginger water. And my ginger water, I've been offered $25 for a ball jar. I won't give it up. It's gold. <laughs> I love that. I take hours to make it, but it's amazing stuff. Well, tell me what your ginger water does for you. Purifies my blood. I really believe it protects me from viruses and the evils of the world. You just feel good. Uh, I didn't mention this. I'll mention it now. Because of my accident in 89, I needed a blood transfusion. They didn't check the blood in 89. They didn't check it until 93. I ended up with hepatitis C. In 2000, I went through interferon treatment. 2000, yeah, early 2000s. And um, that is self-injections of interferon and another drug called ribovirin. And um, you got to realize I was doing marathons. I started on this drug. I couldn't walk a flight of steps without being totally exhausted. This went on for a year. My kids thought I was going to die. That's how sick I got from it. It didn't work. But I can tell you during that time, I was most depressed that I've ever been. I would say there was a two-week period that if there was a burning baby in front of me, it wouldn't have mattered. Mm. I wouldn't have phased me. And, and I, I know that's hard to imagine. And I, when I think of it, to be that depressed and not moving at all mentally. Now, did know? the medication cure you of it or no, did you? it did not work. No. It brought my bl- uh, white blood count down. It was, it was horrible. It was a horrible treatment. And I don't know the damage that put on my body either. But years later, I guess maybe, what, five years ago, four years ago, it's a drug. They they have them out now. It's an eight to 12-week program. You take one pill. I did that one. And um, it's gone. It's gone. 
Outstanding. Now, I don't know what the side effects of that is, but there, you know, there is stuff in modern medicine that does work. But, I, you know, I have an immune system. And if you believe there is something bigger than us that created us, he gave us immune system or she gave us an immune system. <laughs> and we are to feed that with the proper nutrients that the world has. And with that immune system, it's amazing. The pharmaceutical companies want to take that immune system away and they want to give us theirs so they can control it. I, I, I don't want that to happen. I'm not saying down the road I wouldn't get what I need to get. Um, but right now I feel my immune system's on target. Uh, when I had these, these teeth done, the doctor went in and he had to cut because the opioids literally ate my jaw. He said there was such an infection in there. He goes, I don't know how you could handle that. How did you tolerate that? He says, your immune system must be amazing. And I loved hearing that because I'm like, what I'm doing must be working. Because I share that with people. They think I'm crazy because I get up an hour earlier to mix these things. But all I'm doing is mixing the things that should be in our food that aren't. Yeah. You know? And you're taking your health and well-being in your own hands. Yes. The day I die, I would like to be out there doing my miles or whatever. I don't want to sit there and waste away. And that's what I tell people. Take responsible for your own self, your own body, because it's the only one we get. Amen. And, and, and that's where I am. I, I just, I am so content and happy. <laughs> I love to hear that. Adversity can bring us some of the biggest gifts in our life. What would you say is the biggest gift that you've gotten out of, out of that accident and losing your leg? Oh, I, I, I received many. I received the power of visualization. I received the ability to understand that anything I set out to do, I can do. I mean, if I want it, I can do it. Whether I have one leg or two legs, it doesn't matter. I like the fact that I only have one because I make people notice that. It's great. You've you come know? a long what? way from that day in Home Depot, Denny. Oh, I sure did. You know, I had a nonprofit. For, for about eight years. And I was going into school speaking to kids. And what I was doing is I'd wear breakaway pants, you know, like basketball pants. Uh -huh. So I'd be up there and they would had no idea I had one leg. And I'd get jacked up, you know, I'd pump up and I'd <laughs> look pretty good. And that's what I would, I would sit there and I'd say to them, you know, guys, one of the biggest disabilities in the world is perception. When you look at something and you figure it out before you know, you even know about it, like judging a book by its cover. And I'm like, look at me. People would say, I look pretty healthy, right? But I'm disabled, according to the world. Nah, they'd be going, nah. I'm like, yeah, I'm considered disabled. And I'd rip these pants off. I've seen kids <laughs> fall on the floor when they saw that. It was such a powerful tool. So, yeah. If it wasn't for this amputation, I would, would have not had those eight years of experience with speaking to kids. And because some of these kids I'd see years later and they'd remember what I said. Yeah. So that's what it, it, it felt good. I want to get out there again. I do want to get out there again. You know, if, well, uh, you're going to have a book tour to do. When right, is your yeah, when true. is your memoir going to be <laughs> finished? What's your goal? Well, here's what happened. We we were trying to do too much with the book 
There's a lot of stuff. So we re revamped it. I have a ghostwriter doing it. And we revamped it. And we're really going to focus on adversity. Of course, we're going to touch on the cannabis and the uh, opioid. Nice. It was those three issues. And we're trying to bring attention, you know, bring them all three in the front. But I think it's more about, you know, overcoming uh, adversity. And again, I'm no Superman. There's nothing more special about me than anybody else. I just chose that that's what I wanted. I set out these goals. And that's the thing. You set out these goals. Now, not all those goals you w will you reach. But as long as you're moving forward, it may change. But you break off. But as long as you're moving up. I say use adversity as a springboard. Not to hold you back, but to take you further and higher and farther than any time before. Absolutely. And let cannabis be your co-pilot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Denny, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Everyone, you can um, reach Denny at dennychipolini.com and that's C-H-I-P-O-L-L-I-N-I. -L -L -I -I. Let's check these notes, see if we have any questions specifically for you. We've got some folks talking about strains and they're taking care of each other over there. I dig that. Um, let's see. What do you say to people that are rehabbing back in that beginning phase where change is uncomfortable? It hurts. How do you motivate people in that space to just be able to push past that? Well, that's another advantage of having one leg. I've had clients that'll, you know, give me, oh, this is hard, this and that. And I'll literally take the leg off and fling it in front of them. And, and I'll say to them, you think this was easy? And they're like, I know it's kind of brutal. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what? It works. And they'll give me a couple more reps out of it. <laughs> yeah. But I take it slow. You know, it depends. I, I've been doing it so long. You know, I rehabbed myself. I didn't go to rehab. I did it myself. Whether I did the right things or not, I don't know. But I, I am doing pretty good right now. I mean, in the past two days, I, I, I did 14 miles. And I feel great. That's impressive. So, um, when you said that about taking off your leg and flinging it at someone, I was in a bar one night. And a guy came up and he told my friend that was across the table from me that he'd give his right leg to go out on a date with her. And then he took his leg and he put it on the table. I love that. I love that. That's great. That is great. Did she go out with him? I don't know if she did or not. I don't know. But it was that was quality stuff. I'm like, that's somebody who is confident. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you, you know, I, you know, I, I cried. You know, I had those years. You know, I, back when this happened, but it's like, yeah, you got to deal with it. Uh, one of the best compliments I, uh, I've ever received. And I was at work. A guy came up to me and he says, I got to tell you something. I don't see you as an amputee. I don't see it the way you move. I don't see that that missing leg. And that made me feel good. And a guy the other day I was in a store and he came up to me. I didn't know him. And he said, wow, I couldn't tell if you had long pants on. I could not tell. And the important thing of that is I realized, you know, when I go out and do my miles, if I'm stressed out and all uptight, I have a horrible time out there. It, it hurts when you relax. And, you know, I have my cannabis before I go. It, I just all of a sudden that prosthetic becomes one with me and there's no pain. I just I just go. And it's just amazing that that whole. Feeling. Yeah. 
I like it. Yeah, you get out there and you find your flow. I appreciate that. And we all can do this. We don't need a tragedy to happen to us. There's people out there that went through that. And it's like I say to my kids, I'm like, I'm not telling you how to live your life, but you know, here's some things I did. Sometimes you have to go through those things. That's what makes us learn. Yeah, and contrast but, uh, is such a wonderful teacher. It shows yeah. us very clearly what we don't want and makes us get much clearer on what we do want. Correct. Yes, I agree. So on, I'm going to be doing a free webinar here on the Casually Baked YouTube channel that is the highly inspired lifestyle tools that I use because I didn't have a tragedy like you to kick me into this space of being a high gear active doer. And, you know, I want to be able to show people just some of the little daily things that I do that can add some ease and flow to your day. Denny, your story has inspired me. And, you know, I'm constantly amazed at my own stretchability. And seeing you, I'm just like, you know, the sky's the limit. We can really, really do anything. We really can. We really can. Joe, thank you again yes. for having me. If you're ready to take control of your everyday experience in a meaningful way, I hope you'll join me for a highly inspired Lifestyle Tools webinar. We'll gather virtually on 420 at 420 p.m. Pacific time. While a more traditional 420 celebration will be heavy on the imbibing, mine will be heavy on the introspection, my friend. Cannabis is one of several powerful tools for living with less stress and more ease and getting happier and healthier in the process. I'll show you how I team up with my body instead of working against it to create flow and optimize my life. And I'll share with you how I experiment with plant medicine as natural solutions for stress, anxiety, and OCD. More details to come on the broadcast part, but go ahead and mark your calendar for 420 at 420 p.m. Pacific time. We'll talk a little nerdy about our nervous system, how to control it, and everyday tools to improve your stretchability and get a good night's sleep. Follow the Casually Baked YouTube channel, sign up for the newsletter, or follow at Casually Baked on Instagram and Facebook, where I'll share the link and details. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down, help spread the message far and wide, my friend, by rating and reviewing the podcast. It takes a village to shine a positive light of awareness on the cannabis lifestyle, and your small action helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. Thank you for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.